Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dan Wind again, and I'm here with a very special guest, um, owner of five Wingstop locations up in uh, the San Jose area, uh, also co-owner of Maven's Creamery, um, a Shark Tank winner, and a co-founder of uh, OmniBev, a um, Vietnamese uh, 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 coffee drink that is uh, just coming out here. So, uh, hey, Tony Lam, thank you for joining us. No, thank you, Dan, for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and um, you know, one of the uh, the place, one of the places that we met was through uh, Asian Hustle Network. That's correct. Yeah. Great network. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, for for the listeners who don't know what it is, it's kind of an organic Facebook group that has grown over the maybe about six months to over um, thirty thousand members. That's right. And it's unbelievable how fast this group has grown. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, no, it's, I, it's been a great uh, journey. I met a ton of people through the Asian Hustle Network. So I've um, been able to expand my, my network by uh, meeting with people, you know, uh, in that group. So I'm glad that we were able to sync up and meet, you know, one-on-one and meet each other through that group. So some very meaningful uh, relationships that I've been able to form uh, through that network so yeah and then thank you for reaching out to me and you know you came down to Orange County and we spent a little bit of time together and when you told me your background and you know your journey all the way through Omnibev I wanted to share your story with a lot of my uh, a lot of my listeners because I think there's a lot of valuable lessons in you know what you've gone through all the way up all the way up to now but before we get there can you share a little bit about yourself and you know, before you got into Wingstop and Mavens and, and Omnibev? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm the one of the, I shouldn't say typical uh, refugee family, but you know, it's, it's um, coincidence that today is um, 45 years ago today, the fall of Saigon is when I, uh, my family and I fled um, Vietnam to, uh, you know, uh, go on a boat and we were refugees uh, and our campsite was in the Philippines. We were sponsored by a Catholic charity group that brought us over to Southern California. So for a good four or five years, that's where uh, my family grew up. And we eventually uh, traveled up to the Bay Area and I've been in the Bay Area uh, ever since then. So over 40 years. So, you know, I went to school, lived in a poor neighborhood, um, you know, didn't let that bother me too much. But, uh, you know, um, you know, growing up poor, learning the hard way that, you know, with hard work, I knew that one day, uh, you know, something special would happen, right? I just didn't know what. Now, my parents were, um, you know, they were very, uh, how do I say, very supportive. Um, there was no high expectation, so to speak. Of course, any parent would love to have their son or daughter be a doctor or dentist growing up, but I, I never felt that pressure. They never really pressured me to go into that field. Uh, so when I graduated high school, I uh, went to college uh, at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, where I majored in business. Um, I My concentration was management information system. It's, it's a combination of like computers and business. And uh, when I graduated from uh, college, uh, I had four offers, four job offers waiting for me back in 97. So this is when the internet was just about taking off. I remember teaching uh, HTML to um, students back then. And Netscape 1.0 was the most <laughs> common uh, uh, browser. Uh, on the market. So uh, yeah, I, I got to experience, um, you know, the internet revolution at the very beginning uh, during that time. And out of the four offers, you know, I look back on, uh, I had an offer with HP, I had an offer with um, uh, Coopers and Librand, which is a big six accounting firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was another one called uh, Hewitt and Associates, another consulting firm. But the one that I ended up um, uh, working for or selecting was Cisco. Hmm. So I selected Cisco Systems, uh, which is a large um, networking company. Um, they make the routers for for the internet. Uh, worked in various roles there. And while I was at Cisco, I always had an itch. I was a business major. I want to have my own business. I just didn't know what it would be. 
right? And uh, one of my coworkers, you know, said, hey, you know, my husband and I just came back from uh, Texas. We went to this wing joint called Wingstop. And, uh, you know, you should really look into it. And, you know, uh, they don't have that many, uh, you know, out on the West Coast, but Tony, you should think about it, right? And so I didn't have any restaurant experience. <laughs> you know, in this whole thing. But I said, you know what, let me check it out. You know, this is interesting. So there was one in the entire Bay Area, only one location in the entire Bay Area. And we went to my partners at that time, uh, or still current partners. Uh, we went there, we tasted the food and fell in love with it. And we said, you know what, this might be, we might be onto something, you know. And uh, so I started, you know, I got all excited, start telling my friends and family about it and, and they looked at me and they said, you know, Tony, I'm not so sure about this investment, you know, because I don't see myself eating wings as a lunch meal or as a dinner meal with my family. If anything else, I would only eat these wings that you're talking about at, you know, like a party function, mm -hmm. right? Not so much as a meal. So of course I, I got a lot of different feedback, opinions from other people. We went to corporate, told them about our, our background, you know, they're, they knowing that we didn't have any um, restaurant experience, they still took a chance on us. They gave us a territory. They said, we want you guys to develop five locations in the Bay Area. So while I was at Cisco, I was also opening up Wingstop. I was, this is my moonlighting, you know, a gig while I was at Cisco. And so um, once I had the uh, five locations, up and running, you know, uh, it was, I was at that point, um, uh, 14 years into Cisco at that time. Mm -hmm. So I got involved with Wingstop roughly about nine years into Cisco. And then once we had, uh, all five stores in that, in those five years, um, you know, I had an opportunity to kind of, you know, I wouldn't say fall back on, but I had, uh, um, some passive income coming so that I could take on, um, you know, some other, other projects. So, um, that opportunity came, uh, left Cisco focus on Wingstop. But before I, uh, you know, I should tell you the story. I tell all the entrepreneurs, like, you know, the first store that when we opened was not easy going, you know, we actually lost, you know, people will tell you that 90% of the restaurants failed. Right. And our very first store, we lost a hundred thousand dollars and, you know, we were going to be like, I was like, man, you know, are we going to be one of those statistics, you know, the 90% that fails with opening a restaurant. And so we went back and we said, Hey, I'm not sure we're going to open all five of them. If every single one of them is going to lose this type of money. So for the second location, we chose an, uh, uh, I consider an a location. So in business, you know, they teach you, um, you know, the four P's, right? So product, um, price, promotion and place, uh, AKA location. So we selected an A location, um, that had an anchor store, um, of, um, what was it? Costco was our anchor store. And because of that, we saw, uh, more traffic than the, the first store. So we were very profitable the first year going into the business. So we said, okay, we figured it out. You know, we, we're gonna have to spend a little bit more on the rent but we just got to select a locations when we go into this business. And so all this now today, all the stores are profitable, but uh, during that time when we were opening each one of those stores, we were profitable uh, in the first year. Mm. Okay. So, you know, lesson learned, uh, you know, I tell everybody like, you know, location, location, location is very, very important, uh, you know, for, for retail. Now, uh, you know, again, I, I did all had five stores, but uh, during this time, another friend of mine introduced me to, um, you mentioned Maven's Creamery. Um, I got involved with Maven's Cream through a friend. He basically said, hey, you know, I have uh, uh, these two sisters that are selling the, the macaron ice cream sandwich at my shop. And I was like, what the heck? What's a macaron ice cream sandwich, <laughs> right? And uh, so I looked at the product and I said, wow. So they took the, the two innovative, uh, long-lasting products in the market, which is macaron and the French macaron and ice cream. You know, ice cream has been here over 150 years. And they said, hey, let's remove the cream filling and let's put the uh, ice cream in the middle. 
So he would purchase 400 units and they would sell out in literally four hours. Wow. So, you know, uh, we, we looked at that and said, wow, you know, the, the, uh, Gwen and Christine, the founders of Mavens are on to something. And so I met up with, I got an intro, I met with them. And, uh, you know, we, I asked them, you know, what is it that you need for the business? Are you looking for investors? So yeah, they said, we're looking for investors. We're looking for someone who can help get our product into more restaurants. And so I said, okay, uh, well, I have Wingstop, but you know, I couldn't get into Wingstop. There's a lot of, uh, it's a pretty lengthy approval process to get mm-hmm. any new products in. But for me, it was just knocking on the individual mom pa restaurants, right, to get in. And so during that time, knocked on about 120 different restaurants, told them, this is the, this is our product. This is the macaron ice cream sandwich. You know, we'll be able to drive traffic into your store. Um, you know, we have this freezer program where you purchase the freezer and we'll stock, you know, you, you'll stock it up with our ice cream sandwich. And so we did all that stuff. And uh, that's how we were able to get into 120 locations. Um, next thing happened was um, the buyers from Safeway and Whole Foods, hmm. they happened to eat at uh, these restaurants that carried our product. You know, and sometimes I believe in fate, you know, and I tell people like, you know, there's two, two variables that you can't always control and that's luck and timing. So you think about it, I did have some competitors, you know, in, in the macaron ice cream space. And that's uh, one company called uh, Brick. They're known in Korean um, restaurants. And so the reason why I bring up luck and timing is because these guys, these buyers happened to go to a pokey shop of mine that carried my ice cream. Had they gone to another Korean barbecue place, they might have said, wow, that is the best macaron ice cream sandwich I ever had, mm-hmm. right? Fortunately for us, they went to, uh, you know, the restaurant that carried us. So they tasted it, loved it. And they said, uh, you know what, why don't we reach out to Mavens and let's see if they want to be carried in our, uh, in our locations. And uh, Whole Foods, uh, you know, Whole Foods was the very first one. And uh, Whole Foods, we went, we met with the C-level executives. They tasted it. They loved it. But then they said, hey, um, I would like to see your ingredients list. And so when we showed it to them, they, they looked at us and they said, you know, we're sorry, but we can't carry your product. So we were, we were kind of bummed about it. We we're like, well, why not? Well, because the ingredients that you have, uh, we're not allowed to sell to our customers. I'm like, what ingredients are what, what ingredient? What specific ingredients are you referring to? Well, you have artificial flavor. You have high fructose. You know, so we said, oh, okay. But they said, you know, we love your product, but if you could, if you could come back and you could remove this and come up with a, a better product and take it back to us, we'll consider it. So we went back for six months. Uh, Gwen and Christine, my two partners, they, they, they uh, did some R&D, changed the recipe. We came back with an all-natural macaron ice cream sandwich. So we brought it back to them. They tasted it. They loved it. So uh, they said, yeah, we would love to have you in our, in our store location. So we got into all the Bay, uh, the Bay Area Whole Foods hmm. during that time. Now, Safeway came a little bit, a couple months later, and, uh, you know, came, came back a couple months later, and they said, oh, so where are you, you know, where are you being carried right now? And we told them, um, you know, we're in restaurants and we're talking to Whole Foods, but it looks like we're going to get our product approved with the all natural. And they said, okay, well, that's good enough for us. We don't need to go through the whole bedding process. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to save some time from that, you know, but, uh, um, like you said, uh, earlier mentioned earlier, uh, we're now in 300 locations, mm. uh, in the Bay area. We launch on the East coast. We're in 11 locations over there, 11 or 12. And then, uh, we're going to be going into Texas pretty soon. Um, and while this was all happening, um, we, uh, Gwen, the, our CEO, um, had a great idea. Her idea was, hey, um, Shark Tank is going to be at CES, the Consumer Electronics mm-hmm. Show, 
and they're looking for people to um, pitch their product, right? And so I said, okay, that's really interesting. Uh, I have an investor meeting in two days from now. They would love to hear from you, you know, and have us pitch to raise money. But uh, her and her sister, they were really adamant about like going to the show and, mm. you know, uh, thinking that thinking that uh, our product would actually get on the show. Now, don't, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was a little pessimistic too, because I was thinking to myself, you know, would they really invest in a mac and ice cream sandwich, right? But sure enough, um, we... We, uh, they, they, they book their tickets two days later, they get in line, they get their uh, bracelet, right? And you get 60 seconds to pitch. Uh, you know, back to luck and timing, we were, um, you know, uh, when they were pitching, this, these are not the same judges on TV. These are like the, uh, the ones that do the betting process. Right. But one of the judges um, that happened to listen to the, the pitch uh, was like, 30 seconds into the pitch, he was like, wait a minute, you guys are the ones that came up with this macro ice cream sandwich? And they said, uh, yes, sir. And he says, you know what? I live in a city called Morgan Hill. Yeah. And Hill is south of San Jose by 30 minutes. <laughs> and he said, hey, your lo that local Safeway in my area actually carries your macro ice cream sandwich. Was, yes, sir. I've actually had it before. It tastes absolutely delicious. So, you know, unfortunately, they didn't get to finish their 30 seconds. <laughs> he stole all the time. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but uh, you know, back to luck and timing. You know, yeah. fortunately for us, we had someone that was, uh, you know, that actually tasted our product, uh, had some uh, background with our product. Uh, you know, but I mean, by that time during that show, we had already, uh, I believe we had already hit a million dollars in sales already uh, mm. when we when we were uh, doing the, uh, the the interview process, but uh, you know, um, I tell people, you know, it's always good to have luck and timing on your side once in a while, you know. Yeah. And, and in this case, we did it. And so, you know, uh, after that, we went through, you know, several more interviews. We got onto the show. We uh, struck a deal with Barbara Corcoran, and you know, we get flooded with a bunch of inquiries asking, how can we sell our product at you know, our location and everything. And, you know, especially the response that we got from the um, um, Asian community, uh, immigrant community, you know, like, wow, you guys, you know, this is like the, you think about an American dream because we started, literally started in a 400 square foot garage. Yeah. So yeah. To now having a, you know, we now have a factory but to, you know, strike a deal on Shark Tank, you know, that's, you know, that's a dream come true. You know? Yeah, I, I remember the episode, and this is before we met, and, and before I knew you were involved, and, you know, uh, obviously, you know, someone of being, uh, that's Vietnamese is, you know, very, a proud moment for, you know, for us to see someone like, like us on TV, and for, for you know, for, for people like us, we, it's, it's kind of a common story, right, Vietnamese, American, but I think it was so powerful to see that story on the on on, on national television yeah. where you know it's it is an immigrant story it is an american american dream story now we get to come and pitch the product that we created here in america yeah and it was it, it was it was such kind of like you know uh it was such an awesome moment to get that deal and then seeing you know one of us on tv yeah no it was a, it was a proud proud yeah. moment for for me and my family the 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 four years of hard work that we put into you know, building the brand and everything. So, um, yeah. And so, you know, obviously, uh, a lot of people reached out to me saying, Hey, you know, I, I like to one day, you know, have that same dream and everything. And, you know, so, you know, I'm giving them advice and things like that, you know, what they need to do with their product. And I think like one of the biggest advice that I tell people is whatever you do when you're building a brand, um, you really need to be a good storyteller and you really need to document really document the whole journey. Mm -hmm. uh, not so much, you know, uh, not so much uh, for the heck of it. You want to document for the, the down the road for invest making um, for fundraising uh, for your company, right? They want to know how you started and where your, uh, what your vision is with the company. And so wh whatever opportunities I have with a product that I am a part of, I'll take photos of it, right? And mm -hmm. post it on 
social media so that I do have that, um, you know, chronological timeline of, you know, what was happening, um, you know, with the company. So, yeah. And, and I remember, I, I kind of heard this idea more recently too. It was um, one, I think it was Gary V. And they asked him like, if you, you know, if you were to do things over again, what would you do? Is actually, I would record everything that I did. And I think for exactly for the same reason is, is to document the, the journey uh, and the, and the business process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then similarly, uh, you know, I was listening to um, um, someone about content marketing and a lot of roadblocks, a lot of business owners have is like, Oh, I'm just stuck out of ideas. Right. But what kind of really blew my mind is like, don't think about, about coming up with new ideas and new content. It's actually just document your journey. It makes things yeah. a lot easier. Hey, today I went to go visit the shop and we're like trying to pitch them on carrying yeah. a product, right? Or I'm trying this new recipe, right? These are really easy, easy, easy things to do in, in kind of the scope of, of, of content marketing. So I'm glad you, you mentioned that because certainly storytelling is probably most, one of the most powerful ideas, um, powerful skills that you can have. And, you know, Shark Tank, you know, I think, I think that probably plays a big part of, you know, probably doing deals is cer- certainly the numbers play a role, but it's, it's the story behind the business, the story behind the product that will probably, you know, all else being equal, probably set someone else from the, uh, from the rest. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, now you're, you're rolling with uh, uh, Barbara Cochran and now you got this new you know, project that you're working on right now. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so the latest project I have right now is, uh, you know, again, um, I, I like to be involved with, um, you know, my background, right? And and again, it's uh, now that I want to bring Vietnamese coffee to mainstream. And so one of my partners, uh, the st- our story is basically this. Uh, Tammy uh, was visiting uh, her uncle, her family relatives uh, in Vietnam, and her uncle owns one of the largest uh, coffee bean plantation in Dalat. And he said, you know, Tammy, I got all this, uh, you know, uh, farm right here of coffee, you know, can you come up with something that uh, would help get us into the US market? His, most of his coffee is for, uh, for Vietnam and also more of uh, Europe on the European side, not so much the US side. And so, uh, you know, uh, Tammy, she has an entrepreneur spirit. Um, she has a beauty brand that uh, called Lexi Beauty that she currently owns today. So very successful entrepreneur, uh, but she was going into a space that she was not very familiar with, which is F&B, food and beverage. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got introduced through a mutual friend. And, um, you know, she basically said, Tony, I need somebody, you know, who has experience in the food space, um, you know, to take my product to restaurants, to grocery stores, uh, through e-commerce. So I said, okay, yeah, I, I, you know, this is a really interesting product. So I would be very interested in getting, you know, especially Vietnamese product, you know, um, people don't know that Vietnam is the second largest producer and exporter of coffee beans, you know, except for us, we know that, but people don't know, don't know that. And so one of our missions is to educate the consumer about Vietnamese coffee. And so we understood that this is not an easy task, you know, because there's, you know, over a hundred and what, 150, 160 million people in the U.S., you know, and there's only three of us. <laughs> Are we going to be able to do that? But, you know, we don't ever tell, you know, have people tell us that it's impossible. You know, we always like to prove the naysayers wrong. Um, and so I got on board uh, with her. We did about six months of R&D and she uh, perfected the Vietnamese cold brew coffee. Uh, so we're the very first Vietnamese cold brew coffee with an RTD, ready to drink. Mm. So our drinks um, will have a shelf life of six months. So people are like, wait a minute, doesn't it contain dairy? Doesn't it contain? Absolutely. So the process that we have figured out allows us to keep the shelf life of it. Now it has to be refrigerated, of course, but it allows it to extend to six months. So this is a grab and go Vietnamese, you know, we were using real Vietnamese beans from her uncle's farm, right? To make this coffee. Um, she perfected it. 
we did, uh, you know, a, a pretty a pretty big batch uh, just recently, back in March, and within four weeks we sold out. Hmm. And I know I owe you a case. I'm sorry, Dan. I know you wanted it. I, I went back to your website. It's like everything you yeah. saw that, which is like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for you guys, I'm, but I'm angry. I know. I know. <laughs> well, the, the beauty about it, the beauty about it is I have my, 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 my list together. So I'll be sending you a case. No worries there. Uh, it'll be here in a couple of weeks. But, um, you know, we, you know, our story is this, Dan. It's so beautiful because. You know, we were going. We were going to launch our product uh, at the first week of March, and as you know, that's when this whole thing starts caving in on us. And we were going to go to one of the largest food expo in LA, and obviously, it's called the Natural Product West uh, Expo, and it got canceled. Yep. We were. We literally got to LA, and then we got this email that said we've been. We were canceling the event. We're like, well, what do we do now, right? Uh, so again, we don't just, uh, you know, uh, sit and pout about it. We said, okay, let's call up everyone's connection. Who, who do we know in LA since we're, we rented a room for five days, let's make the, the best out of the situation. So I ended up meeting, <laughs> I think I ended up meeting about 30 people on the Asian hustle network, gave them samples of our product. You know, now they're interested in carrying our product. They spread, they posted online about our product. And so that was one of the reasons why I was able to sell out in four weeks is because of that network, you know, people helping one another, you know, and during that time, you know, we had uh, several um, companies that uh, wanted to carry our product as well. So when this whole shelter in place is lifted, you know, I have opportunities with some large social, I can't tell this, disclose the, the names, but large social media companies that will be carrying our product. Uh, we got uh, some uh, franchise chains also that are looking into carrying us. Um, but yeah, so the e-com side, you know, that's what I was dealt with. I couldn't go to corporate offices. I couldn't go to uh, retail outlets. So the only, the third um, revenue stream channel was e-com, you know, because everybody's shelter in place. And uh, we were able to successfully sell out, uh, you know, a really proud accomplishment for the, for the company. And, uh, you know, this next batch that we're doing, I literally have 30 people, 30 groups on the wait list right now for it. And just based on my calculation, when that shipment comes in, half of them will be gone already. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, we're still learning, we're still learning as a, as a, you know, startup company, but, uh, you know, we, we are definitely moving really, really quickly. You know, we were able to um, successfully raise money during this round as well. So we needed to raise money to uh, fulfill some of these major POs. And, you know, during this time, this is like one of the roughest times, as you can imagine, the stock market had gone down almost more than 30, 33%, right, during this time. So, you know, we had investors when the market was high, had money ready to, um, mm -hmm. you know, write us a check. And because it tanked, they're like, well, I'm sorry, you know, the market is not doing well anymore. But then we also had the people who had money in the bank and they're like, well, Tony, the market is at a discount right now, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it was like, dang, you, you know, uh, <laughs> so you're in a tough situation, but you know, I'm, I'm just happy. Uh, we brought in some pretty awesome, um, uh, smart investors who can help uh, take the company to the next level. I'm I'm just super happy to have uh, these guys on our board uh, to help carry the company, you know, uh, to the next level. So, so can you talk about, um, I think you said uh, OmniBev is the only uh, cold brew uh, coffee grab and grab uh, ready to drink. Can you tell Alyssa about, about what the benefits of benefits of a cold brew uh, for a product like yours versus, you know, some of the other competitors on the market? Yeah, so um, a couple things how we're unique is uh, cold brew versus hot coffee, right? Cold brew is actually growing, it's getting, uh, it's not exactly, um, how do I say, it, at the level of hot coffee just yet, but mm -hmm. it's actually growing, the market share for uh, cold brew is growing pretty quickly. And so the process that we do, you know, we, we take the coffee beans, we, we the roasted coffee beans from Vietnam, and we steep it into, you know, a, a, a brewing process of, you know, 20 hours or so. 
Um, and then we have the concentrate. Now, why do we do this? Because uh, with cold brew, there are some people who are very sensitive to um, acid, acidity. Hmm. The cold brew is less acidic. That's hmm. one thing. The second thing is, uh, is not as bitter as it is with, um, you know, uh, black coffee, hot black coffee. So, so that's, that's two things. And, you know, when I tell people, well, why do you have to mention Vietnamese coffee? You know, I don't ever hear people saying, you know, I want to have Colombian coffee or I want to have Brazilian coffee, you know, but you're, you're emphasizing, you know, Vietnamese coffee so much. And my thing is, you know, uh, with Vietnamese coffee, the beans, uh, where we get our beans, it's grown in a volcanic, a mineral rich volcanic um, soil. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you could only find this coffee profile in Vietnam only. So when I tell folks, hey, take, take a sip of this coffee. And I, I ask them, well, what do you think of it? And they say, wow, that tastes great. I go, okay, well, that's a good thing because this profile, this coffee profile that you just said that it tastes great, you cannot get the same flavor or taste with Colombian beans, with Brazilian beans, or Kenyan beans. You could only get this taste with Vietnamese coffee beans. So, uh, and then, uh, you know, not and Vietnamese people know that Vietnamese coffee is um, highly caffeinated, mm -hmm. right? So we use the Robusta beans, which uh, other countries don't use. They use the Arabica beans. Mm -hmm. And so with our coffee, we've been able to uh, blend the Robusta with the Vietnamese Arabica beans to come up with our coffee. And so, you know, we, we perfected it and, um, you know, people really enjoy the product. That's how we're different. Yeah. So I, I noticed you mentioned, you know, you have your partners in this business and in, um, in uh, Mavens. Tell me a little bit about, and I'm sure you get pitched about products every day. Like, Hey, can you help me with this? What do you look for in, in, in the partners that you work with? And then also, what do you look for in the products that you work with that tells yeah. you, Hey, this is something I want to get on board with. Sure. Um, I think like for the product, you, you got to do your um, due diligence first. Okay. So uh, let's take, for example, coffee, right? When I'm looking at coffee, I'm looking at the total addressable market. We call it TAM, total addressable market and see how big that market is. Right. And then ask people like, okay, what do we think the sales of this is going to be? Well, I did my due diligence and Tammy, you know, gave me some of the, 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 the statistic about coffee. And that is a coffee drinker will drink coffee twice a day. So imagine if I'm selling this for $3.95 and they're drink, even if they drink it once a day, it's $3.95 times 365 days a year. Mm -hmm. That's that's the opportunity, right? And so, you know, I tell people not every single product is coffee, but you know, when you do your due diligence, you gotta make sure that there is a business model for your product that you could, you know, if you hit these targets, you could actually be profitable or you could actually, you know, actually make money with it. Right. Um, so I'm being very selective when I'm, you know, looking at projects these days, because I want to make sure that, um, you know, as I get older, like I'm 45 now, um, that I use my time wisely, you know, uh, I can't be doing 10, 15 year projects anymore. Like I did with, you know, I'm, I've been with wings. I was with Cisco, for 14 years. This year, I'm with Wingstop for 15 years. So by the time I do another 15 year project, I'll be 60, right? So, you know, for the younger generation, they can take some gambles. I, I get it. Uh, I would, you know, but you got to do a business plan at the end of the day. You got to know who your competitors are. You know, uh, an idea is a dime a dozen. You know, I, I get really tired. Um, Sometimes when a friend of mine comes up and he tells me, Tony, I wanted you to open this business with me. I go, what is it? Yeah, we're going to open a milk tea place. I'm like, do you know how many milk tea <laughs> shops are out there? You know, I mean, I, I love milk tea. I'm one of those guys that drink it every other day. But do I really need to, you know, for someone to open another milk tea concept? You know, and they have to think about like your competition. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, right now I'm the very, at this time, I'm the very first RTD product, not to say that there aren't going to be more of these guys coming through, but, um, you know, my, my thing right now is, um, I want to get into 10,000 locations. 
with this product in the next couple of years. That's my goal. And people are like, how can you, how can you do that? You know, in such a small amount of time. Well, with grocery chains, we're talking about grocery chains that have 2,000, 4,000, even 6,000 store locations. You get one of them and you're almost halfway there already, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm not telling people it's a slam dunk. By no means is it a slam dunk to get your product into uh, you know, that location because then you have other problems that you need to resolve. And that is, can you scale, mm -hmm. right? Even though mm -hmm. you got a great product and you sign all these stores, can you scale, you know, and, pro and, and uh, provide enough product for these locations? And fortunately for, for, for us, uh, I have a very strong ops uh, partner. Uh, West End is doing an absolute great job. I mean, we're able to pump a million of these a day if necessary. Mm. We're at that point. Yeah. We're not there yet, but we have the capability to pump a million bottles of these per day. So uh, capacity is not an issue for us uh, with this product. Um, your, other, your other question was um, partners. Like how yeah. do you decide who to work with? Yeah, I think like, um, you know, I tell people, um, you know, you really got, you got to really know your partners, right? And, and that is, um, you know, if they're brand new, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, like Tammy and I, uh, we got to know each other for three months before I finally said, okay, I'm comfortable having you as a partner, you know, let's make this thing, you know, work out. And that is, you know, we had meetings where we talked about the vision. Did we have some, uh, do we share the same vision? You know, do, uh, do we share the same process of how we're going to get to that end goal that we both have in common, you know, and, and uh, do we understand each other's strengths? Because, you know, when you build a business, there are four positions, four very important positions uh, that I feel you, you really need to, to really take off. Um, I mean, I have, I have experience in those four positions, but, you know, you stretch yourself too thin if you try to do everything, you know, all at once, if you wear too many different hats. And so for, for us, you know, she's the CEO, uh, I handle the sales, the marketing piece. Weston handles the um, the operations piece, and then uh, you know recently we we brought in a, a CFO who has taken um, uh, companies public before. So now that you have all four um, you know positions filled, and everybody knows their um, swim lane, right? Mm -hmm. We 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 you know we do what we're good at doing you know, and, and, and we trust each other with that. And so um, that's the type of conversation, you know, when people put a business together, uh, you know, you don't need to have all four right away, but down the road, you need, you really do need to have that within, I would say, six months of your of forming your company, because they're very four very crucial roles, you mm -hmm. know, in a company. So. So I know you're involved, you know, we talk about Wingstop and Maven and, and, and uh, OmniBev. And I know, you know, when in our personal conversations, you're involved with some other projects. So like for you, how do you, how do you know it's, it's time to like, hey, uh, this one's running on its own. Hey, let me move down to the next thing. How do you avoid blue, uh, shiny object syndrome? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, the thing here is um, uh, when I work with these other companies, uh, some of them are just... Uh, uh, short-term projects, but some of them are uh, ones where I'm more of a, more of an advisor. A lot of the companies, as you know, uh, one of the toughest things in a, in in a company is getting sales, mm -hmm. and um, that's that's my strength. Mm. My strength is getting sales, and so a lot of these companies, because of my network, you know, the the saying your uh, your net worth is your network, or I'm sorry, the other way around, your mm -hmm. network is your net worth, right? And so. Um, I tell people, whatever you do um, to grow your sales, you gotta you gotta build your network. And the way to do that, this is a, a really good advice. I wish I knew this ten years ago, uh, but I found out literally maybe about two two and a half years ago. Uh, LinkedIn is literally the number one lead gen for um, uh, you know uh, meeting people and. Uh, having conversations and striking deals. 
that's how I've been able to get into a lot of these locations is through LinkedIn, more so than, than Facebook, more so than Instagram. You know, it's been using that professional network. And so with these companies that are asking for, um, you know, my help, um, it's been more like, Tony, um, your niche is, is in the um, restaurant food space. It is. And so it's, it's really natural for me to make an introduction. You know, what you don't see is behind the scenes, the big amount of network support that I have, you know, behind me. So all I do is I will, uh, you know, um, team up or, or set up a meeting with these um, companies. And at the end of the day, these guys, the, the, the guys that support me will handle the rest, meaning they'll do the paperwork, they'll do the onboarding process. Uh, for me, uh, I assist with them here and there with the relationship, mm -hmm. right? So not so much like, okay, now that I'm done, you guys, uh, you know, have to go and um, manage the rest. Uh, I'm still involved in that piece, but um, in terms of time, you know, I, I'm, I've dedicated, you know, anywhere between eight to 10 hours on some of these projects a week. Mm -hmm. um, you'll find out that people find out that I'm a workaholic. I am. You know, my mind doesn't sleep very much. Uh, my thing is, I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. you know, more yeah. so, you know, if 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 uh, if I really enjoy what I'm doing, I don't mind working the sixty to eighty hours. You know, mm -hmm. because it's for me, I consider it fun. I don't consider it work at all, actually. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the same time, I get to you know, I work from home, right? And yep. so I do have the flexibility. You know, I do spend time with my kids. Uh, still, even with my busy schedule, you know, so it's not like um, uh, uh, I'm not able to uh, balance uh, family and work at the same time. You know, we do go on vacations, uh, not right now because of the pandemic, but we go on like three to four big vacations during the year. Mm -hmm. you know, so. so let's talk about that, because I know for a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, it's like, you know, hey, I got to put food on the table and that means sometimes it means sacrificing, but how, how do you do specifically like three or four business vacations? Do you like, Hey, you cut off the time at like 6 PM and then, you know, spend time with the kids and everyone, after everyone's asleep, you go back at it. Uh, do you do something like that? Or it's just kind of ad hoc and you says, all right, it's, it's fun time. Let's go do something. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, my calendar, everything is, uh, is my whole work schedule or my whole day schedule or my life schedule is all based on my calendar. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, 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 I will block out uh, three hours in the evening, so to speak, you know, for family. So mm -hmm. uh, when I have meetings and everything, I tell people, here's my calendar. We use, I use calendar, calendar, right. Yep. And so they get to see, you know, what my availability is and they'll book the time and everything. But yeah, I, I, that's what I do. That's how I manage my time. I think that, People have to know how to manage their time, you know, because if you're not good with time management, uh, you're really unorganized and really ineffective. You don't have a tool like that. And I tell people you should get it because I think it's only like $9 a month, you know, but it, it, it stops this back and forth. Communication. Mm -hmm. Like what time are you free this day, that time, like here, you know, these are, this is my schedule. You just choose what you're of it, you know, you're free with. So. Yeah, I love, I use something similar, Cutie, and then you scheduled this one, the same thing. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're, we're kind of near the end, but I want to kind of uh, ask you this question. You know, uh, you talked about your Wingstop first location, you guys lost 100 grand. And, you know, a lot of people see kind of the success in front of the business, but they don't see, it's not sunshines and rain, you know, rainbows. So yeah. can you tell a little bit about that, you know, that maybe that first year you guys lost and then were you guys ready to close the doors? Uh, you know, I know you talked about how the second location really kind of turned things around you, but like, talk about that, that time where you guys were like, Hey, I don't know if, if we're going to go past this. Yeah. So, um, you know, we kind of, um, during that first year, it was hard because again, something I'd never done before was food and we, Wingstop also opens from 11 AM to midnight and we didn't get home till like two thirty, three o'clock for a couple of months. Because we were just, you know, learning more about how restaurant works. And, you know, at, at one point I kept on, you know, I was asking myself like, gosh, you know, uh, do I really want to do this? You know, it was so nice to have a nice uh, paycheck, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, you have that stability, right? And now here, you know, you just lost $100,000. So that money that I made at Cisco, 
just went to <laughs> paying off the losses for this business. And yeah. imagine now if I had five stores in this exact same you know, position. And so uh, I think that, um, like I said, after that first restaurant, um, not going to lie, I had some doubts. I did had some yeah. doubts. Like, I don't think uh, we're going to, even though we signed up for five, it doesn't mean that we have to do all five. Mm. If you open a second one and say, you know what, we had two losses, we're not going to open the other three, all we do is we lose our, what we call our um, franchise development rights, which was uh, at that time, like $10,000 a store. So we'll lose $30,000 for not developing it. But the thing is, is $30,000, you know, that loss right there worth your time, you know, in doing other things, right? So you got to kind of weigh, weigh that. And so for us, um, you know, at one point we did almost feel like we wanted to throw in the towel, but uh, I'm glad that we didn't. But, um, you know, people ask me, you know, not all my ventures are, are successful. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that, um, you know, about, I would say 80% of my ventures have been successful. Uh, the ones that have not been successful, um, you know, my advice would be sometimes you have to cut your losses. You know, um, I just went through an investment where, uh, it was three years of pain of losses and I could have, I could have ended it two years earlier, but, uh, you know, my wife said, no, I want to give it, you know, a go at it. And, you know, I look back at that, you know, hindsight, you like, wow, I could, you know, we lost two years cause you can never replace time. Yep. We lost two years where you could have been playing with the kids on the weekend, taking, you know, us taking them to birthday parties and things like that. Cause she was working on the weekends for that business. It was running a food court, you know? And so hindsight, you know, we had to learn from that because now I know moving forward, if I ever, I'm ever in that situation again, I will cut my losses and, you know, uh, I cut my losses. When I say I cut my losses, I just don't say like, you know, after a year, let's just quit. I look at it and says, do I truly believe that there's, if we put a little bit more effort or a little bit more time into it, that it can be profitable, right? Uh, in this case, I kind of knew like, you know, there was a, an opportunity where we weren't gonna be profitable, but um, you know, I should have taken that advice. So at the end of the day, um, she ended up having to work two more years. Uh, kids didn't get to go to birthday parties with their other friends because she couldn't uh, take them or I couldn't take them because we were both working at that place. And sometimes, you know, uh, like I said, sometimes your time is worth more than the money. You know, it's like you got to really evaluate that piece. Uh, yeah. When making that decision. Yeah. So, hey, th th thanks again for your time. So we're going to do some rapid fire questions to end it out. And yeah. just, uh, just answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Yeah, sure. All right. So who do you look up to? Uh, my dad. All right. Uh, what's the best business advice you've ever received? The best business advice I've ever received, um, you know, surrounding myself with mentors and positive people. Yeah. Uh, the best business book you've ever read? You know, I, I, I'm not into reading, so I've done a lot of stuff by learn by doing. So I'm a, a doer when it comes to business. You know, I, if I have to learn the hard way, so be it. But uh, I've always been a student for life and, you know, I do things uh, uh, in non-traditional ways, so to speak. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you could do one thing over again, what would it be? If I could do one thing over again, what would it be? Uh, gosh. I think, uh, I think doing more philanthropy, philanthropy stuff. I think that's one thing that I want to do. And I am getting the opportunity now, but back then I, I wish I had done more of that. And when I say philanthropy, it, it's a combination of giving back to the community, but also mentoring, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs out there. You know, if I had a Tony Lamb 10 years ago, you would be seeing, you know, Tony on the beach and things like that. But <laughs> You know, but yeah, I, 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 you know, if I were to do things differently, it would be basically uh, mentoring people and uh, giving more back to the community, monetary-wise as well as volunteer volunteerism. Mm -hmm. That's what I would have done, yeah, differently. All right, and uh, so you, um, 
you lose everything. The only thing you have is your computer, your cell phone, and an internet connection. How do you rebuild your business in 30 days? How do I build my business in 30 days? Um, through social media, through referrals, uh, through content marketing. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, the product that you're promoting, you know, the, the, the cheapest and the easiest way to reach the most amount of users is through uh, social media, right? And if I had uh, my phone with a video camera, I'll be able to film the product and, and, and put a creative up there. Um, and what was the last one? What was the last thing that you said about that? Uh, yeah, lose your phone. Your uh, you, well, you lose everything. The only thing you have oh. is your computer, phone, and internet. How do you rebuild your business? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, with, with the computer and internet. Yeah, that's what I would do. So okay. uh, yeah, use social media <laughs> All right. and, and referrals. Referrals. Referral. Yeah. And lastly, um, what's the biggest challenge you have in your business today? The biggest challenge I have in my business today, I think, hmm. It's a tough one. Um, wow. You know what? I mean, we're hitting all four cylinders right now uh, with this coffee and um, gosh, I mean, you're going to see us in 10,000 stores in 18 months. That's how confident I am. So I, I have all the pieces together. Uh, and we just, the, the, one of the biggest hurdles was fundraising and we got that too. So now that's why I'm kind of like stuttering right now because I'm like, <laughs> wow, you know, we've, we've been able to hit all these things. So I've, I've stumped yeah. Tony lamb. He doesn't know what to I say. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Dan. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's, that's a nice, nice problem to, to not have. Um, yeah. And, you know, you can let me know if you ever figure that one out and I'll share it with everyone and I'll update this. But, you know, if we want to learn more about you, try to get some OmniBev, where, where, where can we go? Yeah, uh, to learn more about me. Uh, so I have my own consulting uh, website. It's still there. It's called launchyourfirst.com. So Tony at launchyourfirst.com. And if you want to try our cold brew, um, our website is www.omnibevbev.com. Okay. All right. Hey, thank you, Tony Lamb, for your time, Mr. All World. And, you know, best of uh, luck with all your ventures. And we look forward to getting um, some Omnibev in one of your 10,000 stores. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. All right. Thank Appreciate you. It.